0: Welcome back, everybody. Episode 26, Tales from the Core. Uh, we've got another awesome special guest from the Pacific, Joshua Baton. Nailed it. And then our 36 brother, Neil Falver. <laughs> it, you know what's like, it's so fucked up is when you look at your name, like, of course, that's how it should be pronounced. But just favor, man. Like, it just, it. It like gets locked in there, and I struggle, struggle. And, and I see yeah. his name, and I think Brett Brett Favre. Favre, yeah.
1: Favre. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, no one can actually say that name, and that's what I like. That's all I see.
2: Funny enough, yeah. funny enough, both both are the most common, Favre and then Favor, the most common, <laughs> the most common. I'm like, no, it's just Favre.
1: <laughs> it's funny, that's really. I'll cool. say I, this: I get bitten, I get biting, You know, so yeah. your baton said properly is nice to hear.
0: Hell yeah! Hell yeah! yeah. Uh, no, it's crazy. After 20 years, man, you still have people, you know, calling guys by the wrong last name. The way they pre- like one of our guys, Stow, like he still gets called Stow, um, and it's just amazing, man. It's like, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's crazy. After after 20 years, some of those names stick. So I try to make it a point. Um, my name, you would think, and not the Jan Stella. But Mike <laughs> Francis, uh, with my last name, Francis is pretty, I don't know. I don't see how you fucked that up. I don't um, either. And, you know, when, when you get to boot camp and before you actually get to your platoon, you like they're issuing you all the stuff, you're getting the shots, you're doing dental. And this guy is standing there and he's yelling out a name and it was for our gear. And, and, and you know, I'm an intelligent enough person that like I just heard another F name or something. And he keeps saying it he keeps saying it nobody's moving and I was like sir do you mean francis sir and it was like day 2 of boot camp get the fuck up here and uh, <laughs> he's like your name's fucking trash can if i if, if if i tell you that it is like that was like that was like welcome to paris island boys this is this is how the next 13 weeks of your life is going to go well, that's how Captain Dye and Freddie
1: Joe Farnsworth and all these combat vets treated us when we went into our boot camp. I mean, they, it was, we, first of all, we didn't know each other's actual names, right? A couple of us had met on the flight and we had done a table read, but we were all just getting acclimated because we we shot in Australia. And then like day two that we were out there, maybe three, there was a big meeting to get us prepped for a boot camp. And there's 60 of us. You know, there was like 40 or 45, what they, you know, some of maybe Scott told you guys this called the A-Corps. They were a lot, most of them were former Aussie military. And they are like, if we watch Pacific together, I could be like, that's Shaw. You know, that's that's Con-. like these are our dudes. We knew them. They were always near us on camera. We went through our like two-week boot with them. And but we we barely knew each other and we only referred to each other by each other's names. I mean, I still got you know people in my phone as basslone Hoosier, you know because yeah it's kind of what we called each other, you know and uh and I, I I as soon as you said it, I was like, I can't even imagine what that was like for you in the real deal real world situation because we got there you know, it was 19 you know 1941 42 gear that we had in like our ditty bags and we us had- too <laughs> <laughs> actually ours might have been from Nam. it might not yeah, have been before yeah. stuff. fair enough well you know i mean those marines that, i mean look we were shooting m1917 and m1919s you know machine guns like and springfield rifles from like 1896 you know right we were, nothing um and we had these we each had half of a hooch like a two-man hooch yeah two and a half feet off the ground and you had to find someone that had a side that matched you and, you know, build a, build a fucking home together. And <laughs> and we're trying to set them up. They're te- they scream at us, you know, build your fucking hoochers, you business shit. And we're like, uh. you know, we're a bunch of actors, you know, like, you know, we're not yeah. exactly, we're not exactly, we don't know what we're getting into. And I'll never forget it. We set them up and we thought we did a pretty good job. And all of a sudden <laughs> one of these Marines comes over and screams, who the fuck told you to set these up east to west they go north to south and we're like i don't even know what direction west it was what the fuck you know but obviously they're just doing it so that we would a hundred percent say yes yes sergeant no sergeant whenever they said anything which they got us to
0: pretty quick i will say yes <laughs> it, it's crazy you know like i don't know you'll if you really want to hear an awesome podcast a lot of them have been pretty awesome but we had a, a drill instructor oh. who uh i didn't he wasn't my drill instructor he came to three six and we went to afghanistan together but he wow. shared a lot of the the di stuff and kind of the mentality behind it the rationale the reasoning and it's just really kind of cool to hear especially after 20 years like even some of our officers who were listening to that podcast they're like man it's just crazy to hear. Um, like because there's every little thing, right? There's a purpose for every little thing. I I will definitely listen to that because I found it fascinating. It yeah. is. It is is definitely fascinating. And, and so I would love to talk with Dale, the uh, Scott, and I've talked about it. Um, getting him on here because he would be amazing. Yeah, just the way that. You know, obviously, and I'm sure you'd probably here's. A, yeah. Let me ask this question. So after going through the Pacific and really kind of the, the boot camp and the learning, the attention to detail on that level. Yeah. Right. A, I guess the first question is, does it stand out to you in other movies and shows when you see I things know. that are fucked up all the time? All,
1: all right, I second, hear in my head when someone's gear is fucked up is I look at the <laughs> actor standing next to him and I go in my head, I hear. uh Freddie Joe Farnsworth going, buddy fucker. That's all I, <laughs> you know, that's all I hear. If your buddy's fucked and you don't unfuck your buddy, you're a buddy fucker. And I, all the time, I'm like, what the fuck is with, like, why is your lid like that? Like, I can't, you know, I can't help it. You know, they they agree.
0: <laughs> so being, so now like and acting, because I mean, you still act yeah. um, in, in other roles, do you ever see shit and you're like, man, it shouldn't be this way? Yes. And I've said, yeah. it. And yeah, I've said it. And and on, you know, cause
1: I, I've done a lot of like guest stars on TV shows. Right. And I've played yeah. soldiers and I've played just, and I've also just, you know, I mean, I got a mug like this. I hold weapons on TV. I shoot people. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what I do. I have emotional breakdowns and I shoot people. And, uh, and sometimes at the same time, like that's, you know, it's like, that's, 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 that's my lane. And, uh, <laughs> and so Many times I've been handed weapons and I've said, like, from everything as much as when I've given a weapon back to making sure that it was clear and them saying, No, no, we're good, we're good. And we go, Oh, no, no, we're not good. We're not good until you see yeah. this clear. Um, to someone saying, Hey, we want you to do this and this and this. And me say, Well, it, if I'm going to come into this room in this way, then I at least have to enter like this because we, you know, we got trained by the best. And, and most of the time they will go, oh, tell, tell, tell me what, and they'll bring over like the camera off and say, okay, we're gonna sh- switch the shot. So you would say you would come into a room like this. I'm like, from, from what I was taught from, from the Pacific, but then also like, if any of us ever have questions, um, we, we call, like, I can call Freddie Joe or Captain Die, and they will tell me. And uh, I'll tell you a cool story. James Dale was on um when he was on World War Z, right? And, and yeah. he played, you know, uh like a platoon, like a, I, I don't know if he, I don't know what his rank was. I don't know if he was a sergeant or a lieutenant, but he was in charge of a platoon and he gets right. bit. And what's supposed to happen in the script is they shoot him. Right, his men take him out. And Freddie Joe was the military coordinator and Badge felt wrong about it. And he said, I, I feel weird about this moment. And Freddie Joe said, well, I'll tell you something, man. If that was me and those were my men, there's no fucking way I would put that on them. I would take myself out. And and Badge went to the director and said, hey, I want to do this. And if you watch that movie, he goes, I got this one, boys. And he pulls out his sidearm and he steps off camera and you hear the bang. And it's it's a weird thing because it it gets me slightly choked up because the one thing... One of the main things that we learned during the Pacific was politics don't matter to soldiers. They don't matter to grunts. Like you do it for the dude next to you and the dude next to you on that side, and that's it. And so there's honor in it, regardless of whether you agree with what the politicians have done to send you where they do, I just learned that. And I and I remember watching that movie and seeing that moment and being and having the insight from Badge and from Freddie Joe that this had happened. And I was so moved by it because it was such a human brotherhood type of moment, you know. And uh it's the thing that has been like the most special, you know. I'm not famous, I make a living as an actor, I get to work, but I will say that like every now and again I'll be somewhere, I'll be shooting some TV show in New Orleans and I'll be eating lunch somewhere. And some former Marine will stop and go, you you were Sergeant Morgan in the fucking Pacific, weren't you? And I'll be like, yeah. And he'd be like, thank you, man. And it's very humbling. You know, it's like very, it's very, I, so I mean, I went up on a weird tangent there, but that, you know, I, I find that stuff fascinating. You know, I remember when we got out of boot and they, you know, they kicked our ass, Freddie Joe and and Garcia, um, Robert Garcia, who was a corporal in the corps, and he was one of our guys who trained us. They started showing us videos of of drill sergeants like screaming at Marines, but the camera as the Marine marches on, and then the drill starts to start hysterically laughing because they know what they're saying is so funny. Yes, it's that, it's that that to me is like the magic of it.
0: You know, one of the one of the funniest things, like you know, especially now looking back when we're talking telling stories about it, is for us how hilarious boot camp was because they would just say shit to try to crack you up and then anytime you know how they wear those smoky bear anytime that something would happen that was funny right they would just instantly drop <laughs> so sort it of covered their face and you couldn't see and it was the struggle right the struggle of the funny shit that occurred uh, you know, looking I, back and having this like appreciation for it now
1: i have a know. story i have a story from our boot camp that i think is really only for men and women of the military <laughs> Like it's the kind of thing, but I've, I really want, so at one point uh, they were, some of the guys were out probably like 300 yards away from sort of our base camp uh, doing some kind of like drill with a spring with Springfield rifles or something. And I wasn't, I, I guess I wasn't carrying that weapon. So they didn't send me out there. And I was back at camp, like on straight up garbage detail, just picking up fucking little things and throwing them in a the garbage bag. And our gunny, which was Freddie Joe Farnsworth, was there. And he called for two actors, two actors who had a hard time in boot camp. Let's just put it that way. I'm not going to put anybody's name on blast. But sure. He, yeah. He he, <laughs> he, they they got in a lot of trouble. They complained a lot. And like that didn't fly. You can imagine. Right. So he called for them. He, You know, he like said, I need this and this one. And he just muttered it. And I was the only person there. So we were trained call down the line and I started yep. screaming. Ah, 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 and then like, boom, down, down, down. And you guys are screaming for hundreds of yards. And these two guys come fucking sprinting and I'm there picking up garbage and they're out of breath. And they're like, yes, honey, uh, you call for us. And he looks at the two of them and he goes, you still sucking his cock? <laughs> and he goes, that's what I thought. And then he goes, as you were, and sends them back. And I am picking up garbage, you know, and I grew up in fucking Queens, New York. That shit is funny, you know. And, funny. I went, and I went, and he looked at me, and he went, you think yeah. that shit is funny? And I froze. And then he looked at me and he went, it's pretty fucking funny. And then he walked off and I cried, laughed. And that was like the moment where I went, oh, I, I'm going to be fine here. I'm going to make it through this because... <laughs> They can kick my ass. I was, you know, I played ball in college. I was like, kick my ass. The mental side of it, I was like, I want to like fight these guys. And then I saw how funny it was. And I was like, at that point, I was all in. I was like, let's, let's go kick my ass. Let's go. Cause I could then in just
0: inside my brain, laugh at all the funny shit. So yeah. Funny. Yeah. it's funny. Cause like, that's a lot of, uh, actually the last guy we just had on, he was uh, my platoon sergeant. He retired as a master sergeant. And he was uh he was a wrestler before he joined. And so kind of the same thing, right? For him, um, he realized very quickly it was all mental because he was just very, very, you know, good physically. Um, and for me, this kind of the same thing. Like I, I grew up, I played sports, played a lot of hockey mainly. And so that the physical side wasn't that hard. And then yeah, it was kind of like once you realized that it's all just a game, that's right. It's just a giant fucking game. And, you know, you make it, you make it through the game. I always had a saying, like the one thing the Marine Corps can never do is stop time. Right. (laughs) Tomorrow will come. That's right. right. We will, we will get past today. Tomorrow will come. And I don't know how many times we'd sit in a school circle and we had this one drill instructor, Staff Sergeant Beach, fucking hilarious. And, and you know, it's funny because they're hilarious as like being mean. Yes. Like, oh, like they're, they're like yelling. But it's hilarious. And I don't know how many times I had my canteen, but I just like bring it up, and try to cover the laugh because I didn't want to be the, the next person to get it because it was fucking funny
1: because it was fucking funny. Right. I mean, and I feel really lucky because my brother always makes fun of me. He's like, yeah, go talk about your fake your fake boot camp, you know, because, you know, obviously we're a bunch of actors. Right but we got to be trained by real Marines. So we got an actual like authentic experience, best rehearsal process in my life. But there's a guy, he's returning, he's retiring actually on Saturday. He was, we knew him as Sergeant or Staff Sergeant Schuster but he was actually a Marine, a, a major in the Corps. And he's retiring on Saturday as a Colonel. And he invited me to his retirement. I'm gonna see if I can get up to Colorado just cause oh, nice. I love the guy. And at one point we had like competitions, right? Like a Tommy gun competition, fire on, un- you know, unload, reload. And I've never seen so much pressure on John Seda because Baselon on EWO had a Tommy gun. Oh yeah. And he had to win that shit. Yeah. And, and he did. And he was, you just saw a man go into full determination, but there was that there, there was taking a weapon apart and putting it back together. Yep. And, and we won because there, uh, Sergeant Schuster at the time, his guy who was taking the weapon apart, like dropped the firing pin or something, and it just mm-hmm. didn't fuck him. So he started saying we cheated. And now I was like in this and I was and, you know, like you, I was an athlete. And one thing I know how to do is shit talk. And I was like, oh, you bitter, huh, motherfucker? Huh? And like, we're jawing at each other. And this guy's been kicking my ass for days. What's so funny is we were on the phone the other day and he goes, that was the moment I knew you'd be able to play an NCO. Like I'm sitting there, I have my guys looking at me going, yo, chill, Josh, like chill. You know, like, or, or Morgan, because we didn't know each other's real names. Yeah. But him, he was like mission accomplice. You want to be an NCO? Then you talk shit to somebody who's talking shit to your guys. He was like, at that moment, I knew that you would you'd do a good job. And it's very humbling when someone who's a 27-year Marine Corps vet and, you know, and retiring as a full bird, you know colonel says that to you it's it's very it's very cool you know
2: i, I had so a question
1: about, yeah
2: uh, go ahead mike no, no no you go go okay i had a question about i think i don't know if it was if that if it was like the same the situation that that you were just talking about uh <laughs> i i think i remember hearing it i when you guys were in uh pearl harbor for the for the commemoration that the anniversary um you said something that <laughs> like you you, you you had your squad, you guys were doing your thing, and you thought that you guys had done a great job, and then of course, nothing's ever going to be good enough in, in boot camp, and you know nothing's ever going to be right, you know, no matter how well you think you did it and apparently <laughs> apparently one of the guys one of the marines struck a nerve with you, and you actually tried to go after him.
1: oh yeah, man, so on <laughs> the, like the full story of this is is uh, we got there on day one, right, and James Badgedale, who played Lecky, and I knew as Lecky said to me hey man you want a cigarette and i said oh i said i don't smoke and he laughed he went (laughs) and i was like the fuck are you laughing at (laughs) and like you know t4 or five and we and you know the machine gunners had we had bass we had lecky we had hoosier we had runner we had me we had chuckler like we had a lot of the like the actors right Right. and and captain die and you know we were all first marines and captain die was a first marine so he took it very personal and we were the redheaded stepchildren of boot camp. We couldn't do anything right. I just remember Captain Di seeing us doing like a light machine gun drill, and he just looked and he went, Machine gunners, I am not fucking impressed, and just walked off. And it was like, oh, fuck, dad's mad at us. We suck. Like, we felt so terrible. And we went out into the jungle <clears throat> and we got attacked by a Japanese sniper because there was a Japanese boot camp going at the same time. We could hear them like doing jumping jacks going, itch Ni, Sun, Shi in the morning, and you know. And you're training your mind to like, you know, have a point of view of these guys. And, he, yes. and you know, and you buy in like the Stanford experiment, like we were in. Dude, yeah. And yeah. we did a good job. You know, we moved the machine guns. We're using hand signals. Guys are breaking We're breaking the heavy and the light down. We're moving. We're, we're playing covering fire. Guys are moving. You know, it's all blanks. But, you know, we feel good about it. When we came out an hour and, so, and now I've been promoted to a squad leader because my character was a sergeant. And, you know, you immediately feel responsibility for your guys. You just do. And he came out and we felt good for the first time. Garcia came out and was like, you fucking owe me. And you fucking owe me. And you fucking owe me. You fucking piece of shit. And I just snapped. And I was like, I went, this motherfucker. And I like took a half step. And Badge and Keith Knobs, who played runner, just grabbed me. One arm, one arm, like around my shoulder. No, 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 Morgan. No, no. And they steered me away and I turned a badge and I went, give me one of those fucking cigarettes. And he went, "Ah, I told you. And then we sat in a machine gun pit behind a uh, you know, that they had had us dig and uh and we smoked cigarettes. And I realized, oh, this is why you would do this in the court. Because when you smoke cigarette, they leave you alone. They left us alone for like however long that cigarette was. We talked. We secretly talked about our real lives because we weren't allowed to discuss anything outside of the show. And and I went okay because because I, I was and that was that was before Freddie Joe had done the you suck in his cock moment when it, which was really for me the real moment where I was like let's go I'm in this shit um, but yeah no it, it's very interesting when I look back at it because those guys those Marines are all friends of mine you know but they yeah. had a they had us and it's, and they turned us into brothers. I mean, those guys are still, you know, my, I, I want to say my best friends in the business, but they're also just straight up some of my best friends. You know, they've all stayed at this house, like my home. I've had Badge has stayed here and, and uh Helman estate here. Keith, Jacob lived here all six seasons. He was shooting justified. Like we've, we we are like truly connected. So whenever I see like you guys and anyone who served together, you know, or known each other. I I'm like, I have a taste of what that camaraderie is.
0: I don't, ha- I never had to deal with the stakes you guys had to deal with, you know? Um, well, you know, I mean, with that said, and, and Neil and I were talking about that just before jumping on here, I mean, there's a lot of Marines that never had to deal with like what him and I had to. Sure. Um well, so one of the reasons I joined, like I always wanted to be a Marine, like from like four years old, man. I like Cami Paint. I just it was <laughs> I was born for it. And one of my neighbors was a Vietnam vet. And I I worked for him when I was like 13, 14. And you know, you see, like thankfully at this time, I guess the 90s, you know, the respect that he 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 received. Yeah. And I was like, man, I just want to be a man like that. You know, I want to be a man that, you know, is he was respectful people were respectful to him totally. he had this sense of honor he had achievement and uh so anyways after i got out i went back he had his own business and i was trying to figure out what the hell to do and i worked with him and there was a, there was another marine who served in the 90s and he always said like he felt weird around the two of us because he is nam as iraq afghanistan he didn't go to combat they're in combat right and so, you know, I think I told Scott the same thing because he said he made a, a comment about, I mean, you know, you guys are like what M- marine emerit, meritorious or you know emeritus or something like that.
2: Honorary um, yeah, honorary <laughs> honorary yeah. <Marine.
0: laughs> yeah. Um it's very, very cool. Yeah. So the fact that not actually, but you know what storytelling is so fucking important. Right. Uh and I wish I could remember the director. I think there's some director just said something about his concerns with everything being digital. Right? Mm-hmm. If everything's just going digital and there's no physical copies of it, you know, all somebody has to do is hit the delete button. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so so storytelling and you guys being able to portray the men that you did. And I mean, it's huge. It's huge. So many people were. You know, the, it, so many people don't know about the Marine Corps and World War II. I know they might know about Iwo Jima because you know we we just we've play that the, shit everywhere. We've seen the picture, we've seen the flag. You know what I mean, et cetera. Yeah, totally. yeah. um There's yeah. so much that that people don't know. They know about Normandy. They know about D Day. And I mean, dude, the fucking Marines. How many? How many times did they have a D Day? How many every, beaches did they land on? I, I mean, it was, it felt like every month. I mean, the
1: island hopping, I mean, Peleliu, you know, mm-hmm. m- m- might've just been, was worse than Normandy, you know? I mean, actually, right. or just as bad, at least. It's a It was a meat grinder. And, yeah. you know, man, we, so we, I was starting to talk to you guys about this right before we started. You yeah. Know. So five of us, Scott Gibson, John Sada, Jacob Pitts, myself, and Keith Knobbs, we went out to uh, Oahu for the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And it was pretty wild. You know, we went to this big gala. I got to meet Admiral Paparo, who's in charge of the Pacific fleet of the US Navy. Um, uh, We we met a Marine general, um, you know, who's second in command of the Marines on the West Coast. And, And we, at one point we went to the Marine base out there and we were talking to a bunch of Marine couple Navy corpsmen and, and, uh, it was really cool. And what was really humbling was at least three of those guys who talked said, I want you to know that I was 16 years old. My, I was, I did not know what I was doing with my life. I was doing shitty in school and I saw the Pacific. And I joined the core because of you and I'm an NCO because of you too. And I'm in an, and I'm, I'm cause of you got you over there. And, you know, it's a very, uh, I, I just don't know what the right word is. Humbling seems like, like trite, but it's a very humbling thing. Uh, and a really honorable thing, you know, to think like, okay, maybe we were able to at least attempt to tell those men's stories with some amount of truth. And I will say this, the guys, my friend Dylan Young, uh, who's in Sledge's group, I'll never forget this, we were on the red carpet when they were premiering, and you know, man, it like, Spielberg's there, Hanks is there, plus all these, like, just gigantic celebrities who are like, I want to go to the premiere. So the sure. least famous people on the red carpet are is definitely us. So you yeah. know, when you go on a red carpet like that, you know, you go, it's like, person with a microphone, person with a microphone, like every TV stations from all over the world. At one point I said, it's not TV, it's HBO in Spanish because it was HBO, you know, like Espanol. And she was like, bueno. And I was like, cool. And uh, Dylan was being asked by this woman, what is it like portraying a real man, you know, a real soldier? And as he was answering, she started looking over his head for the next famous person she could find. And I was right next to him on the red carpet and I heard he's Aussie. And I heard him go, Hey, you look me in the fucking eyes when you ask me that question, you don't fucking look away. And she just kind of stopped. And then he, and I was like, God damn Dylan, fucking let her know, you know, because in his, in his heart. And I think in all of our hearts, we felt a real responsibility, at least to serve those men who did, I mean, fuck me, you know, the Marines in World War Two. I mean, the only reason they were able to beat the Japanese is because they stayed in their machine gun pits and kept firing, and they stayed and kept shooting. You know, and uh, whereas like when the when the when the Japanese would do that to the Chinese, human nature would take over and the Chinese would run, and the Marines dealing with like weapons that were twenty two years old just right. stayed there and kept fucking firing, and you know, and push them back. Like other than the Aussies pushing them back at Kokoda, you know, it was really the Marines who stopped them, you know, and my, my aunt, like who was a Holocaust survivor. I met her while shooting the Pacific cause she survived and went in Poland, Polish Jew. And she went, got papers to go to Australia. I'd never met her great aunt, I guess. And her, that generation of Aussies still talk about America and what it stands for and what it meant, what it means to them, because they are certain they would have been bombed to shit and taken over if not for the those Marines showing up. It's really, I mean, man, that is the the it's really wild because now that it's come back on Netflix, there's been this kind of resurgence of 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 people wanting to talk to us about it. And with some space from it, I actually think I I almost revere the fact that I got to do it more you know it was coolest shit ever best dude well, you know
0: in this weird kind of way right because what was that that was like 11 years ago or 14 years ago 14 years ago 14 years ago, 14 years ago. so in this weird it's just weird you guys are almost going through you and Scott and it's weird because I you know especially with him and I guess now like with you you know getting to meet you today like I feel this like weird connection to you guys right oh, I feel um it. Cause you guys are like, you know, now you're like back in the first sieve div as we call it. Right. Like you guys are <laughs> out, you know, it's been like 14 years, you know, and for us, many of us, it's been like 20 years. Wow. And so we had done a little kind of like half-ass makeshift reunion. And it was just because I wanted to see a Cardinals game. Um, up <laughs> in DC, And I was living in North Carolina at the time. So a couple guys from the DC area, we, we yeah. met up and, um, <clears throat> You know, one of our guys is in Arlington It's like we went there and, and visited him. And uh, but but then nothing had really happened. We had, you know, I, once I moved to Florida, a bunch of us live down here. So we've had some cool parties at the house some get togethers. But the Semper Fi in America is fun. Uh, and this guy, he was kind of like my he's one of my best friends. Um, He took over the section whenever I got out and he discovered the simplifying america's fund they do these reunions for combat units wow and everything's 100% paid for and so it was like up to 80 of us went to houston and no family right it's no humans. wives kids just us and they get you on this bus like tour bus and they stop at uh they stop at the walmart right before you're there so we can go attack the the beer aisle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Empty it. And and it's structured in such an incredible way. Um like one of the guys who's there, he's a retired first sergeant. His name was Billy. They really know what they're doing. Cuz we were all like all of us were super nervous to do it, which sounds weird. Like why would you be nervous to Yeah. But but like all of us were nervous and then afterwards we couldn't stop talking about it. Like the reunion, the being together, um, the level of therapy it provided just for us to be together. And so, you know, my buddy Stow found out about it, made it happen for us. Uh, you guys are going in April, right? The, the 07 Iraq deployment, Neil? It's, I think, uh, June, uh, weekend June? of the 21st and uh, to the
2: 23rd. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, it kind of started to bring all of us back together. We started this podcast. Um, Then guys that were my seniors. So three, six, they were the first ones into Afghanistan in 2001. Whoa. And uh that podcast was pretty awesome, too, because they were just they were literally they were probably the closest thing to what anybody's experienced in Nam or World War Two since then, because they were just in holes for like 60 straight days, no showers around Kandahar Airfield. field. Um, like their stories are fucking crazy, man. Um, But they're doing it in 2025. Like they found out about the reunion. So now all those guys that were the initial yeah. wave. And it, it's funny. Cause I hear you now. And what Scott was saying about you guys getting back together. I know you doing the reunions and it's just, it's just funny like to see the parallels, right? <laughs> You guys, you guys are actors and portrayed people, but you still have those parallels to to us. It's
1: yeah, I, that's wild, man. Yeah, I mean, like when we were in, you know, I did a reunion here at the house after with like the ten year, our ten year from boot camp, and all we all we did was laugh and tell stories about it. And in Hawaii, that's all we did, and it was. There's just, I mean, there's just something really magic, you know, Bernthal and I. Um, or we got really close shooting and we're really good friends, you know, John Bernthal who played Manny and now, you know, the Punisher and all this kind of stuff. And we, I did a job where I made some really good friends on a TV show. I was there for seven months in Pittsburgh and it been, it, it was the first job I'd done that felt just reminiscent of the camaraderie that I had. And John said to me, yeah, it's wild, isn't it? He goes, you know, like at that point, he said, it's been two jobs. is the Pacific and the Walking Dead. Those are the only, like, those are the jobs where I made family, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't happen on every, I mean, I have friends from jobs. I have friends, you know, that I've worked with and people who I love. But there is something remarkably special. And I I will say this, kind of where I think this might have all started as a conversation is, that's kind of the genius of Captain Die, is that, he, you know, he came up with this concept and I think he did it on Star Trip, Starship Troopers first. And then he, he got, um, he finagled a meeting with Oliver Stone before Platoon. And he said, he said, he said to Oliver Stone, I hope you're not going to do some cheese eating surrender monkey bullshit movie about Vietnam. And he, and Oliver Stone's a vet, and Captain Dye's a vet. And they sat down and they, came up with this concept of sending actors to boot camp. And yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's genius. I I our writer came up to us when we were shooting combat scenes on Guadalcanal and he said, "Look, I know I've written stuff." He said, "But say whatever the fuck you guys need to say because you guys lived it in boot camp. So if you need to reload or you need to call someone to move to whatever, do that." And what was really wild was in the midst of it you felt capable, like you felt prepared to do the thing. You know, Captain Dye would always refer to the job as the mission, you know, yeah, you got this mission together. And 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 whenever we get together, I mean, my brother jokes and makes fun of me about it, but he's my older brother. It's his job, you know, is we can't stop talking about our experience. So I cannot imagine what eight of you motherfuckers in Houston being <laughs> driven around. So nobody's got to worry about anything. It must have been madness, like the best madness ever.
0: Yeah it 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 was and he they're about to find out man it was super cool um there's this the guy that owns it's a marine it's this just huge place and there's cabins and there's shit for you to do there's like swimming there's they bring in some leather working people so people can you know just do some stuff like that there's disc golf and there's just us like hanging out talking reliving stories and uh it it's funny you said another, like yet another thing that kind of reminded me of something else. So you're talking about like not feeling that same camaraderie, right? Like you make friends. So my former platoon commander, you know, him and I have gotten kind of reunited since the reunion because they showed up and we've been texting and talking more. And he was talking about like our group, the 3 to kind of like 6 the Afghanistan, Iraq guys. He's like, I've been searching for that and he's about to retire. Wow. He's like he's like I've been searching for that camaraderie, you know, for that relationship. And it is even even in the Marine Corps, right? Like yeah, you go to other units if you stay in and you make friends and you meet people, but there's it seems like everybody I've talked to who stayed in and reenlisted even while you're in, there's that one group. Yeah. And like that's your group no matter where you go, what you do it's them. That's right. I, I say it all the time. The
1: fact is, is that if I was if I was in the midst of going through something real. And I called one of those dudes and I was like, hey, man, like I, 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 I either need a place to go or I need you to come out here barring like being on a set what they couldn't leave. Right. I think any one of those dudes would get on a plane And would come out here, you know, a bunch of those guys were at my brother's wedding because they they met my brother and they were like, well, he's your family. He's ours. And they love him. And he invited them to the wedding. I mean, a bunch, you know, and there were a couple who couldn't make it, who reached out and were like, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to be at Mikey's wedding. I mean, that's 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 a very special experience. You know, it it is. um, It's why. Like I think other jobs that I've done going back and talking about him, it would be a very like clinical, like, yeah. And that was what we did. And this is what it is. When I talk about the Pacific and the experience and the times that I've gotten to meet and Marines and soldiers and, and Naval and guys in the Navy and air force guys, like it, there is something, there's just something a little bit different. You know, I mean, I mean, it's so stupid, you know, like there's a fucking story of Seda we were shooting Guadalcanal And he goes on Bloody Ridge and he pushes over the bodies. And I'm like, John, what the fuck are you doing? And somebody opens a machine gun. I throw a grenade and he dives back into the machine gun pit. And my line of dialogue is, what the fuck was that? And and it was like 3.30 in the morning by the time we got to my close-up. And John runs out and I'm, yeah, I'm throwing the fucking thing. And he jumps back in and this motherfucker at 3.30 in the morning jumps back in and just farts directly in my face. And and I go, what the fuck was that? And then we all burst out laughing and our director's like, no, no, no. Like he wanted us to hold it, but you couldn't hold it. The guys are off camera behind the machine gun and the fucking shaking and crying. (laughs) We still tell that story because it is as much a part of the experience as, you know, it's more a part of the experience. I don't think, I, I don't, I don't know. I, if ever, especially amongst us, if the conversation is ever about, like, the show, like, what it looked like or someone's performance,
0: ever. Yeah. yeah, Dude, I, I don't know if you guys, because, so Neil and I didn't ever deploy together. He's He came in after me. He was on the Iraq after me. Uh, so it's kind of cool because we were the same unit and some of the same people, but we also have, like, different experiences and stories. But, I mean, fuck, now that you say that we didn't, re- we don't really ever talk about like what we did. <laughs> right, right. Right. We talk, I mean, like when, so you're talking about the show and what the show looked like. And so I guess what I'm saying is like, not, we don't ever talk about, fuck, I don't even know how to word it. it, it I hope, I think like everybody,
1: we, we went, we took this house down and it was da da da. You're, you're okay. talking about moments with each other, right? Yeah. yeah. It won't
2: yeah. be, it won't be, about, it, it won't be about, you remember, we remember the time we engaged at Sniper, it'll be about, you know, oh, you remember the time that, uh, so-and-so chugged like a bunch of tobacco sauce and threw up all over the deck. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be bad yeah. stuff like, like that, <laughs> you know, that is Outside. exactly
0: what it's like for us. Yeah. Outside yeah. of the death March, like, cause the death March is the one fucking thing from 2004 that we still talk about. Like the funny story, uh, we had to leave a couple people back and I left this one guy back. Awesome friend. And, uh, so so 2004 i'm getting married in 2018 right and a lot of these guys show up there in my wedding carolina beach north carolina and you know we're staying out on the beach we're drinking just the boys and we start talking about the death march (laughs) and uh hunter man i love this dude to death it's so funny he's like he's like of course i missed out on the one thing right like the one thing he's like here we are 14 years later at your fucking wedding And we're talking about the death march. Like, the one thing I miss out on is the thing that we talk about for the rest of our lives, like the defining moment. But even Uh, that,
1: right? Like, his experience of it is
0: like, I wasn't fucking there for something called the death march. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, Fuck, I missed it, you know? (laughs) Just pull, like, a thousand normal people. Like, would you be upset if we didn't include you in the death march? And (laughs) And all 1,000 would go, oh, oh, no, I'm good, you know? But, but marines are like hold on no i think like yeah i don't want to miss i don't want to miss out on that yeah <laughs> dude, totally, totally. I, I,
2: yeah I, I hate that i missed out on it i wasn't even there yet and i can only <laughs> imagine how he feels <laughs> it's like
0: wow yeah, yeah all these guys all these guys come in after us like well god damn dude this is all we ever hear about is this thing like <laughs> wish we wish we could have done it yeah that's hilarious man no so talking about john jumping in with a fart man uh i don't think scott said it on the podcast but we heard about him blowing up his his trailer one day because oh yeah 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 we also
1: (laughs) this is an interesting thing right he blew up his his trailer (laughs) like by like screen actors guild you know uh uh contracts and things we all have to have trailers of some kind right i took a shit inside of my trailer one time and that is the only time that I was. Yeah, hold it down. Hold it down. Hey, you had,
0: <laughs> just as I took a drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why I, Listen, timing, man. That's part of my skill. Uh, is uh I never saw the inside of my trailer. Like legitimately our our unit. Yeah. Together, we stayed in our machine gun pit. We would move <laughs> the weapon even if we were like changing locations. You know, there were prop guys and there were armsmen and they would be like, well, and we'd be like, no, no, we got it. We'll move her. And we would do that together. We had one guy in our unit who liked to read a lot. And at one point he went to go off to read and Bernthal was like, Hey, Arkosh, where the fuck are you going? He's like, uh, what night? And he's like, fucking read. But right here, like you sit next to us. And, and that's what we did. So that story of like, he, he blew up, he did blow up uh <laughs> trailer and we joke about it all the time, but Seda was never in his trailer. Like we didn't, do that even getting dressed for work they created this thing this giant tent like gigantic like half a football field and it was called the sausage factory and you walked (laughs) in one end in your in your clothes and you walked out the other end as a marine so everything other than your the arms were in there so you'd get you get dressed then you get your 782 gear and you you know and you kind of move down the line and you had your section so it was sort of like a trailer but it was shared all the dudes were around you we're all joking and laughing and then you'd go into the armory and you'd get your weapons and you'd have to give them this car it was very you know it was all treated with a tremendous level of like responsibility because in Australia gun, guns are illegal other than yeah. a, like a bolt action rifle on a farm they're completely illegal so there was a thing that HBO had done where we had this double fence barbed wire thing around the armory. And for the shoot, it was technically American soil. Oh, shit. Wow. And that was that was the goal, the, like the workaround to have machine guns and mortars because, you know, they were firing blanks, but that was an M1917 water-cooled machine gun that we had, you know, it was... It was it was functional and some of them were period and some of them were built by, you know, gunsmiths and shit or whoever builds an old machine gun, you know, to so it was. We yeah, we we didn't. I mean, Scott tells that story always makes me laugh. Um, that's also a very funny motherfucker. We used to call him the mayor of Port Douglas. That's where we shot a lot of the stuff in the beginning. And like you could walk anywhere with Scotty Gibson, and people would be like, Oh, so he you'd be like, Scotty. And he'd be like, Hey, and I'm like, Oh, the fuck? oh that guy's like, oh, you know, <laughs> just walk, walk, walking around, <laughs> Bob. you know,
0: and fucking, it's, it's such a trip, that dude. Yeah, we're going to have to have him back on because he, uh, I don't think he realized how wide open we are. Like, at least the first episode. He started to get a little bit more the second episode. Um, but yeah, I think he, I think broke he, a, he
2: broke out a beer, didn't he? Was that a beer he was drinking?
0: That, <laughs> that sounds about right. Out. That sounds like Scott.
2: You know? Yeah,
0: Might have uh, been. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think he, at first he didn't even realize, like, if we were cool with cussing. And I was just going to want to be like, hold on. Hey, do you realize who the fuck you guys are dealing with here? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? <laughs> 100%. Get adjusted
2: the seat. Well, well, so I want to,
0: you know, I feel like you guys have probably been asked like every question that can be asked. Ask anything. I want to try. I want to try to ask something that maybe hasn't been asked before. This has probably been asked too, but um, it got me thinking. So, what perception? I want to know like what your perception was of Marines, like before you went through the experience you went through, and then afterwards that's a good and question and i will because like it's fine to shit talk right and i'll go ahead and put my experience um neil and i were talking about this earlier too is before i went man i just thought like dude if you were a marine you were the shit you know like you were like the baddest motherfucker on earth yeah and then <clears throat> Very soon after like graduating boot camp and going to school of infantry, you learn that it's only like a very small percentage of Marines that are like the baddest motherfuckers. Um I was I was going to Chow one day, but there's two that you've got school of infantry and then you have um the pogues. I don't I don't remember Wait, what they MCT call them. Was, uh,
2: what uh MCT was 21 MCT. Days. Was it. ICB. Okay. ITB was us uh, it was like 54 days, I think it was.
0: Okay, so, you know, they didn't have weekends off, the Pogues, and I was walking to Chow <laughs> in Civvies, they were in Cammies, and some little fucking prick is like, hey, Corporal, is that one of the the nasty grunts that you guys talk about all the time? And I said something, I said, y'all just remember, like, y'all are the jockstrap, we're the fucking cock and balls. Like, <laughs> 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 and, uh, and so then, obviously, like, I respect and love all Marines. We're all brothers. But, you know, like, if, if you weren't combat MOS, you know, it's like, it's like infantry, combat MOS, everybody else. Right? Like, your your perception changes. Yeah. You know, based on experiences. So, yeah. I, you know,
1: it's funny, man. It's hard for me to actually, it's hard for me to actually think, like, what was my, uh, it's a good question. What was my perspective of Marines before? I mean. Look, man, I'm I'm um, I'm from New York. Like this, none of this is about politics, but like where I lined up polit- politically, how I was kind of raised is left, and you know, I was never like, like I wasn't, I wasn't pro military, but I was never anti military. You know, sure. I, kind of, I always thought like Marines are kind of badasses, is what I, is what I would say. I is maybe as much as. What I learned was kind of what I was talking about before. I mean, one, I learned, oh, Marines might be the funniest people on Earth. Like (laughs) Marines might be the funniest motherfuckers on Earth. And anytime that I've had like a party and one or two of those dudes was at the house, they're just going to command everyone's attention because they're going to tell funny stories and they shit talk and nothing is serious, you know, because they've seen real serious shit. Many of them. Uh, The... The real, uh, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, that kind of relationship between the men and the women that serve. To me, is it, it just makes them some of the best, like, you know, the fucking best people. Like, I, 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 I remember coming back from shooting the Pacific and I was in a bar with a girl I was dating and it was like a party. I think it was at a bar and two guys and they started talking to me about World War II and very much like, well, you know, we dropped the bomb and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, but you know, we dropped that bomb also because the casualty reports were over a million Japanese dead and over a million allied troops, which mainly would have been us and the Russians. And I said, so I got to be honest with you, like, I'm not for dropping atomic bombs. That's not I'm not like, oh, yay. But also, I don't want to see half a million Marines get chewed up. So, you know, like, I, it's at least a complex thing. And they were like, blah, blah, blah. And I got into an argument with them. I was like, no, nah, let me fucking tell you something, guys. Like, <laughs> you know what those fucking Marines went through, OK? Like, do a lot. And you couldn't send a whole fucking half a million more in and watch these young kids get fucking chewed up to death. And and I that's kind of where I sit, you know, is yeah. that when anybody wants to talk about war from a political standpoint of actual boots on the ground, men and women over their war, I'm like, listen, bro, like the first thing you need to know is those are people who are. Who, who who are forced to hit a level of honor that most of us never, ever will have to experience, which is, I will do what I can to save your life, which might mean giving up mine, you know? I mean, I'm, I've met, I've been lucky enough to meet a few Medal of Honor winners, a, a number of Silver Star winners, and when you hear the stories and you wonder, how did that person survive? I, I met yeah. a master sergeant at Camp Pendleton I wish I remember his name. It was in the midst of us shooting in the Pacific and Seda and I had a few weeks off. And Schuster had been had been stop loss to come back and train NCOs to go back to Iraq. I don't know if it was stop loss or just re- redeployed. And um and I, I just met him really quick and he he won a silver star, and every Marine was like, That guy should be a Medal of Honor winner. And he went into a building and and pulled like 12 Marines out. He got shot like six fucking times. Yeah. And he's joking and ripping jokes and, you know. Are you talking about that gunny? Yes. 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 Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I know exactly well, what you're
1: talking about. Oh, God, I can't. I can see him. I just can't yeah. remember his name. And I feel like a shitbag for not remembering his name, to be honest. And you're like, I, that, that's a Marine. And not just because he did something heroic. He must have been scared out of his fucking mind. But in his head, he was like, I got to go back in for this guy. And I got to go back in for that guy. And I got to go back in for that guy. And so- Oh man, I get, I get kind of fired up and like my heart starts to feel shit when I talk about it. It's very, um, especially someone who grew up like politically liberal, you know, not that anybody told me I'm like, when I, when that didn't mean when I was growing up, you hated the military. It just didn't mean. Right. Way. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it. so sometimes I feel like that is the vibe now. And I'm like, y'all have lost the, you've lost the line here, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and I've met. You know, I mean, I've had some of the most sobering conversations with Marines and, you know, with admirals and generals about like, you know, what we're facing in the world and how how sobered they are about it. There's nobody there. You know, that Marine general wasn't like, we're fucking going to go in. He was like, yeah, nobody wants this fight. I don't want to send men to their death. We'll be prepared if we have to take it. But we are we you know, that's how we approach this. And that is what it is, I think, to also. You know, there's a there's a level of respect for life and care for each other that most people don't ever really have to get other than maybe with their kid and
0: maybe with like their their partner, maybe, you know. Well, in a weird way, like thankfully so. Right. Like they don't have to know the price because like other people are willing to pay it. Uh, The interesting thing that you said there about talking to some people about where we are especially today, and our captain, who's now a, a full bird colonel, he asked me where we were on the bus to the, that place in Houston. He asked me, he's like, do you think that there's guys like you guys, you know, shit kicks off that will still, like, step up and, you know, because I'm a I'm a post 911 guy. Yeah. Right? Like, even though I always wanted to be a Marine, once 9-11 happened and we're going to war, I could have still been like, ah, you know what? That's not for me. Um, but I still felt that conviction, yeah. right? And, and another thing that she said, very interesting, you know, one of the famous quotes, you know, Admiral Nimitz about the Marines, uncommon valor was a common virtue, you know, um, the things that they displayed and, and we had another podcast where we were talking about, you were talking about that gunny and what was going through his head. I always explained to people that like being a Marine, <laughs> fuck dude, <laughs> I'm going to tell a story that happened this morning to my wife that perfectly exhibits this. Um, the shit we do, it's not second nature. Everybody's like, "I'll oh, make a second nature, make a," second. it's fucking first nature, right? Like it is like talking, it is like walking. And uh, <laughs> this morning, my wife was trying to like say goodbye to me or tell me something, and uh, I hope I'm not like about to incriminate myself with like. Uh, domestic violence and assault but she scared the fuck out of me and just like i didn't even like know i did it until i heard noises but like i just elbow just like bam it just went you know and i mean we've been yeah. together for 11 years so it's on her i told her it's her fault uh <laughs> you've yeah. been with me for over a decade like you know not to <laughs> fucking scare me like, <laughs> whenever i'm sleeping but like that's it man like and it, it's almost it's almost kind of scary because I woke up. I didn't even know what I'd done. Yeah. Right. Like when I threw that bow, I didn't even realize I did it. what really woke me up was hearing like the commotion from, from her kind of falling back into the wall. (laughs) Shit's first nature, man, like it's just, you know, it's it's so in our head,
1: but it also has to be, that's the, that's the thing. I that's the thing that when, when conversations about people serving turn political for me, right. You know, I just go. It's it's just not. They are living in a life and death circumstance all the time, you know. And and that was the thing. So Admiral Paparo, like, so when we were at when we were there in in uh, Pearl Harbor, I was I'm not gonna lie. I was like a little I was a little starstruck. I was like, oh shit, that's like, you know, that's a four star. He's in he's in command of the Pacific Fleet. Like he's I don't know one of the top two three. Highest-ranking members of the Navy, right? Right. Like, I think the guy on the Joint Chiefs of Staff might outrank him. Maybe there's someone else. (laughs) And I was kind of like fanboying a little bit, but in typical Josh Baton fucking fashion, I was like, "Well, fuck it. I if you're if you're nervous, you got to go fucking say hi to the guy." And I like like kind of like snuck up to his table and I was like, "Hey, Admiral, I just want to say because he had given a speech and it was really beautiful." And I was like, "And he goes, hey, you're one of the guys from the Pacific, right? You play Morgan," and I was like yeah and he's like can i talk to you and i was like yeah and he pulled me aside to have a private one-on-one conversation and i'm sitting there kind of like you know i met a lot of celebrities super famous people it's cool but i that doesn't really affect me this was very cool to me right and i'm yeah. like wow, this is dope like this is really cool and uh and in my head i was i was hoping i was like does he have a challenge point for me god if i could get a challenge point for- <laughs> 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 um but but uh he didn't, but that was fine. Uh, still met. No, I'm not sure. And uh, <laughs> he, he said, hey, I want to talk to you about the Pacific. And I want to talk to you about why I thought it was. And this is not shit talk. Band of Brothers, Band of Brothers are my favorite things I've ever seen. So I want to tell you why I think it is a better series than Band of Brothers. And I was like, OK. And he said two reasons. He said one or three. He said, you show what war really is like for men. Yeah. And what it does to them. And you showed what it's like for them to try and come home and how hard that can be. And then the other thing he said was, and you cheated and you treated the Japanese in the series with respect as, as, as admirable foes. You didn't. And he said, because I talk to the Japanese every day, it's part of my job. And it resonates with them that they were treated with honor at, you know, when Barcelona. Um, and when he goes back to boot before Iwo and he tells the those men he's training, this is what the Japanese are. They want to say they're this, but they are this, they are fierce warriors, you know. And and that was, you know, I mean, I was really honored to to be included in that conversation and that perspective. But that is what you guys faced, you know, that's what you guys faced. And and so, you know, I once got to speak at the 403rd Brigade's um, military ball when they came back from service in Afghanistan, the XO of that company is a family friend. And she was like, hey, we, we, we'd love to have you as one of the Pacific actors come out, you know, and I'm talking to, you know, an entire group of soldiers who you know, were, you know, they were, what was it called? Why do I not remember this? They were at a base in Afghanistan that they called, like, I'm fucking gonna fuck this up. It was like, it was like the, the bomb bait. Like, basically they got hit with more, more fire and missiles constantly. And you're looking at them and they're laughing and they're having a great time because they get to unwind, you know? But fucking hell, man, you live life or death constantly. You know, every time that like you hit the rack that at any moment, 10 minutes into your sleep, someone could be like, get up! And you're in the middle of a fucking fight. And so... You got to really, you got to, you know, you're living on. Like I would imagine for you guys coming home, that it was a tricky
0: adjustment, you know. You know what's interesting? One of the biggest things that they learned, and like, so I, I got, I did my my uh bachelor's and masters in psychology, like with the emphasis on PTSD and TBI, you know, for kind of obvious reasons. And yeah. yeah, so my my master's thesis, man, like 120 pages of fucking. <laughs> I wrote a lot um, yeah. and just writing about the history of ptsd like from shell shock right soldier's heart just laying it all out explaining it and it's interesting because you know a lot of the vietnam guys came back way more fucked up than the world war ii guys yeah and so there was all this kind of like well why how's that possible and you know one of the things that they linked it to and attributed it to was whenever they came back from world war ii they had like they were on the ship and it took time and they were on the ship they were with their brothers right and this was actually even kind of i think did strong and i talk strong and i talked i don't remember if we talked about it together we talked about the podcast where like the vietnam guys like if somebody got hurt or sent home like boom flown right yeah you're you're gone you're back and you're just kind of dropped off into this environment and so um Whenever we were transitioning out, which is funny because we were still in Iraq. And so the day we got to Iraq, we were at this uh, base called Al-Assad. And they got they got rocket attacked, right? And we're like, and most of us have been to Afghanistan. So, like, we were used to that stuff. And we're like, cool. Like, first day in country. Like, yeah. that's how this awesome. is going to be. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the funny part about it was, like, you fast forward seven months to when we're pulling out. We're back at Al-Assad and uh, we get rocket. They had not been rocket attacks for seven months. It's when we came back and somebody said something about three six and they're like, yeah, can we just like get them the fuck out of here? But they send you there and the, you've got the Burger Kings and all that stupid shit. Um, but they send you there and they kind of keep you there for a couple weeks. And they make the transition back to the states like a little bit slower than it was in that's, Vietnam that's to kind of try to give you that decompression because it was weird, man. It was weird like going and playing table tennis, you know. Like it was weird. Like some people that's that was their entire deployment. You know, like there's oh, yeah. people, and shit. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they're like they're just sitting around. Like maybe they'll need us. <laughs> yeah, and like for us, it's like like hold on, we don't have to like go fight today, or we don't have to, you know, yeah. like we can go play a game. It, it was like, it was fucking weird. And um, I've never heard
1: that. It makes a lot of sense. You know, I thought you were going to say that it had to do with the tone of people who came when they came home, you know, like, World well, war, war II. And I think that that's another thing, too. Like, you come home and everyone's like parades and we love you. And and yeah, and Vietnam, guys came home and they were like, you're a baby killer, <laughs> you know, and you're talking about like, I mean, fucking Vietnam, right? Most of those guys, they weren't in school because you could get a deferment if you went to college. So you're talking about people who are coming usually from lower income homes or people who just really believed in the military. And then they come home fighting a war that they didn't pick where to go. They just went because that's what we were doing. And they come back and they're told that, but it's interesting to hear about like the time on the ship that those men got to spend that time sailing back
0: across. That's very interesting and makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, and also to your point, and I've kind of said this for, for years, man, it's like it's so weird to me. I wasn't there for Vietnam obviously, but so these guys were drafted and Draft. told you're going to go f- to this place and do these things and they got treated like absolute shit and then my generation 100% volunteer and we get treated you know, amazingly well and when you look at you know, granted, yeah, we were attacked. The Vietnamese didn't attack us. There's different things, you know, 100%. to draw conclusions. It's all tricky. But the Vietnam vets have done so much for us that I don't think the regular people know. So when we when we went overseas, and I don't know if Neil, did you guys go through Bangor Maine when you yeah. guys went over? Were, the, yeah. were, were all the people there? Dude,
2: they were they were all over that airport, man. Yeah, they were there.
0: So they before there. we ship over, like we go from North Carolina up to Maine. And when you come off, you know, like the runways or whatever, like when you're coming down the hallway, there's just people on both sides and just, and they all had like phones too. Cause we had to shut our phones off cause we were deploying and they would, they gave us these phones so we could call our families and let them know like, Hey, we're in Maine. Um, they were just there for us and they were there for us on the way over and the way back every fucking time like for like every unit and so like they've done so there's so many things out there you know like the things that you guys do the talks you guys go to you know there's so much that happens that you want to be able to like highlight it all and make the entire world aware of what's going on it's just there's so much it's it's impossible but you know thankfully there's so many people you know you scott and all the guys and everything that you guys do um you know to help
1: it's really it's a really remarkable, you know, man, uh, Colonel Schuster called me the other day because he's preparing to retire. And he said he was he just started watching the Pacific again. And and he said something to me that I, I I just still haven't been able to process or take in. And he said, I consider you guys Marines. I considered I served with you guys. And, you know, I'll take it emeritus or or, you know, or, or you know, like whatever that is, you um, it's a wild sort of fraternity to feel at least adjacent to because yeah. it's a very, um, it's, I don't know, man, I find it really, I feel, I find it really, you know, beautiful. You know I mean? I grew up like in a fucking like neighborhood in New York guys talk like there's a lot of fights, you know, a lot of, a lot of huff. I just was home and, you know, I'm listening to a guy order like a, I think he wanted like a Cortado and or whatever it was. And he was like, let me get a cat adult. And she was like, it's a Cortado. He's like, yeah, whatever the fuck you call it you know, and it's so much like anger and angst and this and that. And then I've got this like lifetime Marine, lifetime Marine, you know, saying to me, man, I consider you a brother. And it's very, it's, it, it. I think it's something that I sought out my whole life. I sought it out in sports. And as yeah. an app, to be honest, I found it the first time as an actor in theater, because when you're on a stage, the fact is, man, you're so exposed and you ha- only have each other to rely on. And Theater actors have a bit of like a team sport kind of thing. You have each other's back. And when I worked on the Pacific and met so many of you guys and have met them over the years, wounded warriors and all this kind of stuff, I was like, oh, this is what I've been seeking. You're seeking family. And that's what I see anytime I see a group of Marines together is that you guys are family. And we like you said, when you have that core group, those, that, that unit that you're just like, that's our people. Most people don't get it. My brother, you know, one of his best friends, when I came back, said, "You know, your brother's so proud of you, and he's so excited for you." He's like, he's also a little bit jealous, maybe, because I think he wants what you have. And then to watch my guys from the Pacific embrace him, show up at his wedding years later, you know, is is like, yeah, this is what this thing is built on. Like to me, it's the best of human nature, you know, to watch. It's 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 special. It really is. So. I'm really thankful to Scotty because Scotty is the one who sort of re-injected me back into like this world. I didn't even know it was a possibility to like have these talks and meet you guys and get to talk about our stupid experiences and how fun it was and hear these wild parallels to what you guys actually had when you served. You know, it, it, it's, it's very, it's, it's a very cool experience. It's a very, very like heartwarming experience. You know what I mean?
2: and you know, man, there shouldn't be if if there ever was or it still is a sliver of doubt whether you guys nailed it or not, go ahead and throw that away. Cause I mean, me and me and Mike, I think we mentioned it to Scott that we could have, as Marines ourselves, we could have went out on set, sat down, na- sat down next to you guys and smoked and joked and would have never known that you weren't, <laughs> you know, like actual Marines. I mean, you guys nailed it. It was it was perfect.
1: Thank you. It really was. It's, and it's awesome a, it's a tremendous man i'll tell you one small little thing when, when we did bass um medal of honor ceremony uh you know we had an entire like battalion that had all these other extras and stuff like that and toby moore who played sergeant stone and i like i led the battalion i i was the first one to move and he was the second so we were basically both of us in charge of i don't know how many It had to be 700 men there that day 600 500 it was a lot yeah and, Band playing and you know Marines, when it comes to ceremony, nobody, nobody does it like Marines. And I felt so much pressure. And I will never forget we did it and we had to do eyes right and we had to salute them and we had to be t- like a really tight unit. and they yell cut and Sergeant Garcia and Sergeant Bunch were both Iraq vets, came we were in a cricket grounds. And they jumped over the railing of the stands and they came running up to me and they started hitting me. And they were like,
0: that's how you fucking do it, motherfucker. That's how
1: you fucking do it. Fucking do it. And it was probably like the absolute proudest moment I had because I was like, I was so nervous because if I fucked that up, if we marched like a bunch of shit bags, I had fucked up the whole show. Like they would never forgive me, you know? Hey,
2: oh, hey, yeah. That, that was that was that was a very solid salute, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: you dude, know, that's like, enough it was very solid man yeah oh it's fucking god man you want to talk about like we got to talk about that so let's have like another episode where we talk about pet peeves from shit but like in movies and stuff when they salute all fucked up uh, (laughs) the the bent wrist dude it's fucking i mean come on what is this let's let's go it feels better like it feels better it feels good
1: Feel like feel a fucking man, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, you feel like a fucking man.
0: Like the fuck's you know, this, dude? What is this? You <laughs> can't feel good, right? Like, can't feel good to you? No, I don't feel right. Maybe that's how we need to teach people how to salute. Like, if you need to feel good, like you need to feel yes. sharp, snap.
1: Yes, fuck yeah, a hundred percent. There's no question about it. I mean start with saluting. <laughs> start with saluting. But I mean they did everything. I mean, they kicked our ass, but they kicked it. They kicked it in all the right ways. And and you know, like Badge is a great example of that. But Badge has played a number of soldiers. And anything he's in, when you watch him in as a soldier, you're like, there it is. He's a that's a that's a soldier, that's a grunt. That's he just he, he has never, ever not taken that shit seriously, you know? And and I'd say, too, with Thal and The Punisher, you know, guys are former Marine. And Marine, yep. Fucking Marine, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and and it's, you know, it's it's awesome to watch when you're with John and Marines are like, yeah, fuck, you know, like... <laughs> because But I feel like it means that it's not just that he's The Punisher, it's that he wrecked them
0: right, you know? Yeah. We're very... Yeah, man. So here's a, here's something, too. I don't... You know, Scott brought up Damian Lewis, Yeah. right? I would love, man, and I don't know if it's out there if he's been asked this, but, you know, the show Homeland. Yeah, of course. How the fuck do you play that role, man? Like, to be a Marine that's going to blow up, like, himself... And kill the vice president. And especially after him playing fucking Captain Winters but i think that's
1: why i actually think that's why i mean i don't know but when i watch it i watch a man who was trained he played captain winters he he understood what honor was and what honor was with soldier and then he plays a marine who gets taken captive and he sees a different side of honor and he watches a politician be dishonorable and so because one of the things that i thought made his performance so amazing in homeland was he felt compelled. He had to do it. It felt like the right thing to him. And, and, and I, I, that's just, that's, that's how I read it. He was like, this vice president was dishonorable. He did dishonorable shit and soldiers don't do that.
0: You know? It's interesting. So the reason I think that he, and I didn't think about that, but now that you say it, the reason I thought he nailed it was because it made me feel so fucking uncomfortable. Yes. Well, right? that's true. Fuck like, yeah. like, the way it made me feel and i'm just and like that's how it's exactly how it fucking should make me feel that's right, right i mean
1: i felt the same way too you're because you're i'm watching it going like i kind of feel like the vice president should die but also this is like what's ha- like in my head i'm like what the fuck is happening you know yeah and 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 that's why also i don't I don't welcome conversations about politics when talking about Marines and, you know, soldiers. And I just don't, because it, it, it's just not about that. That's the biggest lesson I took from this, you know? I
2: just, I, I just know that (laughs) Mike, I don't think, I don't, I'm pretty sure I can, I'm pretty confident I can speak on your behalf about this one is that whenever, whenever that first round goes, (laughs) politics and all that is just gone <laughs> there's no such yeah. thing as politics <laughs> you hear
1: I that can, first i can yeah that's what that, i remember gunny telling us that that that's what that it sounds like a finger snap and he goes you know your training is to is to avoid the bullets that don't have your name on it because the one that's got your name on it is that that one's coming for you you know yeah, yeah. and he described oh, no. that down when he hit a rat the first time and it was like and he was like oh fuck you know and everything yeah. else turns into something else you know or or remember you could take a belt and like you coil and it, and it? And it yeah yeah that would that's, that's another special. yeah yeah interesting
2: yeah but yeah the politics thing man uh, it's i know that i know that in those moments they didn't they didn't care what was going on with my with, with my own safety <laughs> they didn't have any clue, for that matter? They didn't even know yeah. who I was. More than and more I likely. don't think you're looking at someone <laughs> to your
1: left who has a difficult, different political point of view and go like, well, fuck that guy. Like,
0: hell no. You know? You're so. Off. Not at all. No. When I was in grad school, we were discussing, it was a social psych, grad level. And we were discussing, like, racism and shit like that and prejudice and all these different things. And, you know, people, people that say they don't see color... I get what they're trying to say, and we wanna nitpick and take everything like oh you, of course you see color, right, um I see color, right, like you know when we just had a little thing down here at my house, right, you know, everybody looked like they just you know swam over from Cuba, you know, like Dude. they were even joking, they said they were worried about showing up to my house because uh they're like, we don't want border patrol like coming and <laughs> and us all. we've got we had what a Colombian, a Cuban, a Puerto Rican. <laughs> or two puerto ricans mexican and then another colombian and then me and then there was another white guy i'm like dude you got to come up here and join us because like it's you know we need to add a little bit more you know a little less pigment but you know they were telling the joke like well hey if border patrol shows up we'll just everybody will have their their landscaping hats and we'll go out in the yard and start fucking working and stuff so like obviously we see it right like we see it we know it we joke about it it's like we embrace it and i'm sure Somebody probably wants to cancel me just for that. But I told in him the, in, in the social psych class that because the, the saying is true, we like we all bleed red. Totally. And, and and I actually love the Marine Corps the way like our take on it is like we're all green. You've got light green. You've got dark green. Like so that implies that, yes, we do see tone. Yes. But like. It doesn't. So but we're talking about if, if there was a way to like reduce you know prejudice and racism you will always have racism you can never get rid of it but i told him i said if you want to try to get rid of it the best thing you can do is make military service mandatory everybody has to go at least like two years or something and you serve with all the colors of the world and you see that it don't fucking matter what they look like right because you are the same we're humans man we are the same I agree with you, man. And I
1: actually don't think you I, I I, can't imagine anyone want to cancel you for that. I think that's about as, as human as it gets. Like, yeah, I have I have black friends, I have Latin friends, I have Asian friends, I have Indian friends, whatever. I, I don't care, you know, but we can we can joke with each other about our differences. But but if I say I don't see it, to, to me, that's actually ignoring. And I don't disagree, right. man. I think, you know, I think. It would be like you should have a choice, maybe serve a year or two in the military or do a year or two or two years. I think it would have to be two years at least, of like some sort of service to country. You go and you build roads or you or you fix shit. You you do something where you're working with a team of people and you're and the the focus is not on you, the focus is on something greater and bigger. I think as a country we would feel far less divided because we we'd be talking to people who come, you know, like my buddy grew up, you know, hunting with his dad. Gun control is a different conversation with him than it is with me who grew up in New York City, where I'd be out in a bar or a club and you hear gun and pop, 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 pop. And all of a sudden you're like, why the fuck are these things here? But he has a different relationship with it. And when I had that conversation with him, I was like, oh, fair enough. Like you were raised with like gun safety. You're raised like going to a range. You have an understanding of how these things operate. We can have a conversation about stuff that we see differently on, and I can start to see your point, and you can start to see mine. You know, that that that's what we're missing. It's too Man. much, too much of this shit.
0: Yeah. Mm. That, mm-hmm. you, yeah. That's where we gotta be. We gotta be like and, and I do, yeah, I make it a very, very you know, it's very important to me to. You know, I could sit down and talk to somebody that believes the 100% on everything exact opposite of me. And I'm a perfect example is one of my closest friends is like a crazy fucking liberal. Like, and now I wouldn't say that I'm a crazy conservative. I'm definitely more on the conservative side. Like I've got my, you know, like kind of like, you know, have your gay weddings, grow your, your weed plants and protect that shit with your guns. You know, like my, mine's kind of just like leave everybody the fuck alone but with that said it's like she is and she knows and we never talk politics right she came from st louis she was one of my psych professors came from st louis uh down to north carolina for our wedding right and she got up and she wanted to make a little speech and it was actually awesome like she's you know she's such an incredible woman she does incredible things she started great charities to help like underprivileged kids you know, and that's and that's what we got to see. Like, is she fucking crazy because of her politics? Yes. But she's an incredible woman and has done so many. And like, we got to start seeing like people again. Is and people it was funny because she are, was. Yeah, go ahead. Finish. I want to hear this. Yeah. She, she was talking about how great of a guy I am. And she's like, you know, the guy doesn't have a flaw in the world except for who he votes for as president. like <laughs> but the thing
1: is, man, is that people's politics are also built by how they're raised, where they're raised, what those yeah. are, and those experiences are different. And yeah. one of the things that we keep trying to do politically, I think, is homogenize the country is like, well, I think this is right. So let's do that for everyone. Well, I think this is right. Let's do that for everyone. And man, this is a big ass country. I've, I've been a, i have been, aii think I tried to count the other day. I'm in a 37 states. So I've seen a good amount of it. I got to get to the Pacific Northwest other than Washington. I haven't been up there. And that's like, I want to go check out Wyoming and Montana and Idaho. You know, I really want to see that country, but like we're living completely different experiences. I mean, I look at London, like England, England is like this big and there's like 80 dial 80 act, 80 dialects, you know, like. Because every fucking region in this teeny place is different. Europe is this big and there's like 38 fucking languages. We're like that big. Yeah. Language. But we have all these different regional differences in the way we live. And you're right. You get in the fucking core and you serve next to each other. You stop. Like you're saying, Neil, when this is happening, you stop giving a fuck about who you vote for. You're like, yeah, cover (laughs) me fucking, you know, or whatever. Like, that's got to (laughs) be it.
2: I mean, it's the it's cool, it's it's funny, and I've I've seen like memes about it, uh, about that that diverse, you know, that that way of living. There's so much diversity in the well, in the military in general, but you know, like at the barracks, you know, you you might have everybody's cut loose. We're secure for libo, so everybody gets in their civvies. <laughs> You're gonna have the 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 Montana cowboy over here with the hat on and everything, the belt buckle. He's gonna go hang out with his Latin boys down there at Latin nightclub, you know. With yep. uh,
1: and you're doing, you're doing it <laughs> in, the, in the Nikes and his hip hop gear and whatever. Yep. All... Come, yep.
2: yep. The guy from New York, he's gonna come over and you know y'all gonna hang out together. And then yeah, that, that's just how it was, man. He just had this this beautiful oddball combination, <laughs> just just melting pot. Yeah. That's what it is. That's that's really yeah. what it is. And, it's and the best, it,
1: you it, get authentic it, people. It's the best.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you learn about each other where who where you came from and you know what they like to do and you're like oh man that's really cool some stuff you may not have never known before you know uh, yep and then then they they, they become your family that it's i mean it's really as, as simple as it gets they become your family you yeah. know
1: that's right you don't care about all that stuff man that's right and i think that's what it you know that's why i love having like getting the opportunity like to talk to you guys stuff, stuff like this like you guys come out to LA for that bare knuckle fight like i want to hang you know like you guys seem
0: like I'm, i want to kick it you know and for no yeah. other
1: reason then you just seem like great fucking guys you know well it,
0: you know it's funny is and, and neil brought up when we were talking to scott about how mm. like had, if we would have walked onto set right we wouldn't have been like you guys nailed it so well we wouldn't have been able to be like does like not think that you guys had gone through boot camp and be like oh no shit that's cool man they like hired some vets you know like to, to play these parts <laughs> yeah. but like even the way like you you kind of act now and and it's so weird man cuz like you and I told him I said you know I had just hung out with my old platoon commander the lieutenant and c- captain and he really portrays like that fucking officer yeah like he Scott like he's out yeah. now But he's still now like talking with you. So like I was a corporal, right. I was an NCO and like talking with you. I feel like you're a vet too. Like you, like the way that you talk about shit, the the vibe that you got (laughs) and everything that it's like, it's crazy, man. That like, even, even beyond the shit that you guys did and you know, maybe it's just like, you know, it's like a personality thing, you know, like it just, you, we all choose different paths in life. Like I, I didn't have to choose the Marine Corps. I could have went on to do something different or whatever. And, you know, you didn't have to choose an acting like you could have went to the Marine Corps, it's just totally. we have different paths, but, and I give props to whoever did the casting also, because hundred percent. You guys just like, I don't know, man, it's, it's crazy. You know, there are some times that we'll see movies and shows. And I'm sure you do too, that you're like, there's no fucking way that guy should be playing that role. Like, he there's he would never be a marine or he would never be a seal or you know just no, they picked the wrong 100%. person 100 meg meg uh meg lieberman
1: and Cami patton were our two casting directors and they do they do deserve a shout out like you know you were you just talking about poor neil what came to my mind was i remember when i was out there I, I was dating this girl at the time and when i got back from boot i got on the phone with her and she said, how is it? And I said, you know, the most amazing thing is every one of these guys is so authentically themselves all the time. And that's what you're talking about. Like the Montana Cowboy and the Latin dude from Miami. Like everyone's just being themselves and they're able to be themselves with each other. And yeah. that is why when I get together with the guys from the Pacific, I, I, it's, I, oh, I mean, I was just thinking about this last night. There's a photo somewhere in my uh, in in one of the rooms of my house Tom Budge when he got married a bunch of us flew out to Australia and there's a picture of us at this rooftop bar um I think there was an art exhibit that his wife was involved with and we're sitting around there's like a beer in front of each of us and our our faces are like madness laughing we're like <laughs> everyone <of laughs> Someone's telling a story that is the funniest story in the world, and we're laughing like fucking lunatics because, <laughs> because that's what happens when we get together. We get to completely be ourselves. Nobody feels like they have to be timid. No one feels like they can't tell a certain tale. You could tell each other anything. You know. Yeah. You don't and, have to exchange resumes. That's no, no, i said that. He said, you know, the best thing about this job is he goes, nobody gives a shit what number you are in the call sheet, which those who don't know our business, like the lead is number one on the call sheet, you know, it goes down the line. Nobody Mm -hmm. cares what number you are on the call sheet, what's on your resume. They only care about how good you do your job. And more importantly, how good of a friend you are. And that Mm -hmm. is, that was the vibe. Everyone was brilliant at what they did, but did you show up and do your work and were you a good friend to each other and if you were that you're 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 friends with us for life
0: and that has been the case you know for most of us it's fucking it's the best um yeah i mean we've even gotten to talking about like there was guys that you know either we you know maybe they were maybe they were kind of like shit baggish you know um they (laughs) Mm -hmm. weren't the most stellar they weren't the top performers and, you know, we've I think we've done a pretty good job to kind of, you know, we don't call out names, uh, just like you didn't earlier. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you still sucking his dick? <laughs> uh, God, dude, I would have lost my shit. I lost it. There.
1: I thought I was in so much trouble. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> you know, you, know oh, you, didn't, fuck.
2: John, but, you didn't want to drop the names, but I think I know who the two were. I think Scott Well, I'm going to leave
1: enough. that up to you. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> like, we'll have he, to listen, man. We'll just have to keep doing interviews till we find out who the fuck it was. <laughs> uh, we I we'll the only best. one there. <laughs> <If> <laughs> the, I, interrogation, <laughs> the interrogation is to be continued.
1: Yeah, other uh, men you can ask. They, they've heard the story from me. So, you know, you might be able to get someone to slip up, but it did not come out of my mouth. <laughs> we
0: got <Yep>. you. Um, <laughs> but I do kind of make it a point to let them know, like, you know, like you guys are our brothers. You know, we we love you, man. Um, I texted one of my guys over the weekend. He was one of my my boots, you know, and he was a he was a, he was a good dude. And like and then I heard about, you know, he so you remember Cook? We called him Cock. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I we called him Cock, it's K O C H. And then when oh. we got back from Iraq after his first deployment with me, I started calling him Cook, you know, because like I'm not going to call you cock anymore, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then somebody was like, yeah, man, he was a good dude. And it was a guy that served with him over in 07 that I wasn't there. And I'm like, you know what, man? Like, I, I everybody told me I was a good section leader. You know, but, like, I never told those dudes, you know, like, I guess how proud I was of them. Yeah. Because it's not something you do. And yeah. I just randomly texted him over the weekend after talking about him with somebody else and was like, Dude, you're a fucking good Marine, man. Like, you're a really good Marine. and It is, like, an honor to serve with you. I'm glad that I had you in my section. Um, and, I mean, I kind of feel like a piece of shit that it took me t- 20 years to tell you that. Uh, but I, best, I guess better better late than never. And, yeah. you know, that is kind of one of the things in the Marine Corps is we, we have problems, you know, saying that shit. But I feel like we're getting better about it. We're talking more.
1: Yeah, and, you know, for the
0: guys good. that maybe we got we, we fucked with a little too hard or teased a little bit too much and you know like they're brothers man we love them all you know yeah exactly it's
1: been a real yeah. honor guys you know yeah um and you ever want to chat again let me know because it's 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 a good time yeah it's good
0: what you guys do it really we is. appreciate you being on um you do some directing right I've direct. I, I've directed a couple plays, and
1: I've directed. I just directed a short film, and I might, you know, I, 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 it's something I've thought about dabbling. in. I've, I, I teach acting classes as well as act, and um, and I've definitely had a lot of people say like you should direct just because of a certain
0: skill set that I have, you know. Um, so well, I got something for you. Send it. I I texted it to Scott. Okay. And then what's crazy. Right, because I think because you talked about how hilarious, you know, some of the funniest people in the world are Marines, and um, then I, I was talking to a dude, and the craziest fucking thing was that something very similar happened in real life. That like, for this kind of idea, you know, Scott was like, "What do you tell me to do? Like an outline, a story outline?" Then you yeah, find somebody, right. and so yeah, I'll get with you. I'll throw it uh, throw it your way and see if there's something you can do with it because I think it would be a like hilarious and be very powerful and maybe help bring more attention and awareness to like mental health for veterans. Please, please send it. I, I think that's I think it's
1: really, really important. And I have a lot, you know, I'm part of a theater company out here and we have two Vietnam vets. One was a Green Beret, um, who are very into getting stories like that sort of up and moving. So yeah. send that and we'll talk, you know, outside of a Zoom and and we'll, yep. and we'll Up a little bit, and when you guys come out here, if you guys come out here, we can actually really sit down and get get into it. I would love that. Yeah, that'd be awesome, dude. Thanks thanks again.
0: You're awesome, guy. Thank you for what you did. For I I, I really appreciate it. I really. Josh, I was
2: gonna say, man, if you need an extra to uh, wander around the background aimlessly, I'm down.
1: (laughs) You got it. Anytime. Thank (laughs) you. I'm good at that. I'm really good at that. Thanks again, Josh. Thanks, Neil.
0: All right, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening in. We'll be back with you again next week. And until then, Semper Fi.